0: What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Pagan. Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. We've got a great one for you today. we got Ansan Filippo coming on in a short second. We're going to talk about NLCS rings. Is a second-place ring necessary? Is it all just, shh, just hang the pennant and leave? We'll have Danny Small from ESNY Elite Sports New York to come on later and talk about the Nets versus the Sixers series. Big five news. Sixers are supposedly in cahoots. You know a mayor race doesn't start until a sports team or some major donor is, uh, is, is on the schneid. So let's bring on Kevin Kincaid right now. Let's bring on Ant Filippo because I want to talk about the best sports team in Philadelphia right now. 15 runs last night, nine on the Cy Young Award winner. Bryson Stott setting the table on, at the top of the lineup. Castellanos, who's this Castellanos? He's a doubles machine out there. We got Trey Turner's back with three hits after going zero for seven in the last two games, and Matt Strom. And were we expecting Matt Strom to be the league
1: leader in ERA coming
0: <laughs> into the season?
1: <laughs> that that we were not expecting. None of us were expecting ten shutout innings from Matt Strom to start the season. But dude, uh, are the boys back? Did they ever leave? I, look, I was uh, you know if you if you tune in with me and Bob on crossed up. You always find that I'm the a little bit more pragmatic one, right? I'm the one who doesn't overreact in the moment. And when I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to overreact when things when they lose a game bad. I'm not going to overreact when they win a game p- big. Um, I'm still a believer in this team. I do think this is a 90 win baseball team. Um, are there some you know a couple things to be concerned about? Sure, but uh, it w- it was only a matter of time before they really started hitting. And do I think they're going to put up 15 runs and 20 hits on a regular basis? No, but let's be honest. I mean, in seven of the 10 games, I think it is that they had at least nine hits in the game. So they they have been hitting. They just haven't been driving in runs and they haven't been hitting home runs, which we got used to. But you should be enjoying the fact that this is a team that has no problem now piling up singles and doubles um, because the home runs will come. It's just a matter of time, uh, usually later in the year. Once uh, the weather gets to the, you know, hitting season, as Charlie Mm -hmm. used to call it, um, I think you'll start to see that uh, as well. And so I think this team is going to be just fine. um, But I'm also not going to overreact to 15 runs in in, in 20 games. I'll overreact. in, In one game.
0: I'll overreact. That was so much fun. They should do that every game. That's my analysis. <laughs> Make it easier. I yes. felt really bad. That that poor Smeltzer guy. He's a South Jersey guy. He's got that awesome story where he beat cancer. He gets drafted by the Dodgers. He meets Chase Utley, who he met at Citizens Bank Park back in the day when he had cancer. The poor dude had to shell out as a reliever. showing out 60, 70, 80 pitches over four innings, man. I felt real bad. Yeah, was- he, he took one for the team last night. Skip Schumacher <laughs> doing him a little bit dirty in front of the hometown <laughs> fans, man. That was that was, that was was
2: tough. Um. What do you got, Kev? Anything? Bryson Stott, leadoff. Um, why not? You know, uh, That's my one observation. I want to ask Anthony if there's like uh, any longevity to that or if that's something they can lean on. My second observation might be a random one, but it took the Phillies how long to fix Brandon Marsh, like a month. Uh, the big knock after trading him was the guy can't hit right i mean like what's he hitting now like three thirty something three eighty I think it's three three eighty five if I'm not okay you know. well, yeah. well I was somewhat close at least I got the first number right but uh yeah that's I don't know that's what that's what I look at. You know, I mean so though I ask you the first question. I mean is is Stott is a leadoff guy is that something they can do?
1: Yeah I do think so. Um I think it happened a little sooner than maybe they expected or anybody expected really or maybe even that they wanted i think that they kind of wanted him to really kind of you know get comfortable being this better hitter um this year first before they put him in such a key position yeah but the the offense was scuffling a little bit and so they kind of felt like you know what maybe it's time i mean he's the one guy that's getting on base but he always did profile as a top of the order hitter i mean even when he was a prospect right i mean that was a thing with him and you know there are there are some people in the organization who said that they felt that stock could eventually be a guy that um, wins a batting title. Like they think he's that good of, you know, Damn. that advanced in his approach. Um, not maybe not this year. I mean, I get, like, I was the thing. this was the thing like they were, they would think that down the line, maybe he would get to that point. Um, but he's been fantastic so far. So why not put him up top? Um, it lengthens your lineup a little bit, right? It it gets somebody on base, and and you know that you can drive in. Um, And he, like Turner, has no problem taking off and trying to steal bags, right? So if you get, I mean, you saw it in the in the third inning. I mean, after Jake Cave's home run, put them up one nothing. Stock gets a hit, steals a base, scores on a single. Turner gets a hit, steals a base, scores on a single. Right? I mean, so like that's manufacturing runs, and if you got guys who can do that at the top of your lineup. That's fantastic. Even if you have an inning where you're only getting one run, if it's because you got a single stolen base single or even single stolen base ground out sack fly, however you want to look at it, you're still getting the run. It counts the same as a home run, right? So you can manufacture it on the bases just as well as you can at the plate.
0: you can't factor in the momentum. how? Hey, 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 how nervous are we? Where's your Nola meter at? We got to ask you. You're the biggest proponent of Aaron Nola, 745 ERA right now, 0-1. Pitched pretty well. Garrett Cole pitched a little bit better. Showed what Aaron Nola, what a real ace looks like. How are you feeling about Nola?
1: I could I could argue that he even pitched better than Cole if you go at bat by at bat. The Yankees oh, had right. two balls that I thought were hard hit, and they ended up both scoring. True, yep. um, uh, Aaron Judge's single was a was a um, a line drive single that he then he ends up going to second on a on a st- stolen base that he should have been thrown out. Stott dropped the ball um and then scored on a broken bat hit and then there was the only other one that was really hard hit was a double by uh LeMahieu in the sixth and that was a you know they botched the uh the, the the bunt there and then he ends up scoring so um Nola was great against the Yankees he was not very good against Texas at all but he was great against the Yankees I anticipate he was good for, was good
0: for like three innings against Texas and then you had the old Aaron <laughs> Nola is it yeah gonna it be is. the fourth inning this time is it gonna be the fifth
1: That's inning fair. this time is it gonna I, be the sixth inning this time like I think you'll. I think you'll see. I think you'll see a good Aaron Nola tonight against the Marlins. Put the, you put the ant stamp on that. I do. I do. The ant I think. Stamp yeah. Filippo? I think this is this is one of those ones where I think you might get a little length out of him too. I think you might see him go seven. This, this is not a great Marlins lineup. I I got to ask you because it's kind of bothering me a little bit, and I love
0: Topper and everything. But some of his decisions he made last year, he they ended up working out and stuff. But you could question them if they didn't. You know, the Phillies wouldn't be uh, where they where they ended mm-hmm. up last year. I just I don't understand the 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 fifth inning just pulling guys. Uh, he wanted to, he wanted Strom to go long yesterday, or he said it forty eight hours ago. Twenty four yeah. hours later, he's pulling him in the fifth inning at like 50, 60 pitches and whatnot. I mean, the bullpen feels like it's going to be on life support. I know all they wasted was McKinley Moore. And stuff. Yeah, uh, I don't really factor him being in here when the playoffs come around and stuff. But what's your what's your kind of uh, thought process on on him pulling guys early?
1: Yeah, I'm am not a huge fan of that. In all honesty, um, I know a lot of people lean, are, are really leaning on that because it's what he did in the last game of the World Series when he pulled Wheeler too early, and it ends up costing him. Right? Um, early in the season, I don't ever question it because you don't know where a pitcher's at as far as where their you know buildup is. Right? So I really don't question it much early in the year um unless a pitcher's like cruising and then when it's case it's like well why are you pulling him out um the thing with strom i get i get i mean he would have and thompson even said it after the game he's like i would have put him out if the game was closer like i would have put him back out for the sixth inning he's like but you know we had him stretched out to 85 pitches so he could have gone another inning easily but you're up nine nothing at that point he sat for a while why Mm -hmm. Put him out there and risk an injury in a nine nothing lead when you can just as easily go to the bullpen. So last night doesn't bother me at all, but I do question it sometimes. I do think that he does pull his starters a little too soon on occasion, and I, I do wonder why. And it's it's hurt him a couple times. And you know, this bullpen, there are guys in his bullpen who've pitched really well so far. There are guys in his bullpen who have had good outings and bad outings, and there's guys who've been terrible completely. Let's not force them to be overused if they don't have to be, so that they can all kind of figure it out. I do think the bullpen will be good in the long run, um, but there's no reason to to make them pitch excessively at the beginning of a se- at the beginning of the season if they don't have to. We may not be,
2: you know, making this, uh, or we may not have to make this any more complicated than the fact that they opened on the road against two pretty good teams. And now they're playing average teams, right? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, gotta, I mean, like, the Marlins aren't anything
1: special. The Reds aren't anything special. The White Sox aren't anything special. Everything has gone as expected except the, te- the Texas series. To me, yeah. Like, I, I, yeah. I it, like, if you, if I mapped it out at the beginning of the year, would I have picked them to lose two out of three to the Yankees? I would have. Yeah. Would I have picked them to win two out of three against the Reds? I would have. Yeah. I would have picked them to win two out of three against the Marlins. The only difference is, is I thought that they were a better team. Uh, they should have been a better team against Texas, and they weren't. So if you really want to sit there and say they came out of the gate slow against Texas, then yes, that's that's what it was. But since New York, it's been exactly what I think it, it should have been. To this so,
2: point. so really we're only you know splitting hairs over the first series of the year. It was yeah, three I games year. I think Pagan and I were talking about it last week. I mean, weren't we kind of in agreement that like we were looking at those two series to start the season and thinking like three and three? Yeah. So I'm so I mean if you know you take that one out if, if
1: you look at the Texas series as an outlier, I guess nobody should really be surprised by where by where they are. I and I I agree with you. And then all all it takes is, you know, look, you, you look at this series against the Marlins and you say, well, coming in, you probably thought they'll win two out of three. And the one that you probably penciled in as the loss was maybe you lose to Sandy Alcantara. he's reigning Cy Young you know yeah a yeah. winner right? that was, a, that, was yeah. where, that was where i'd, I'd log on to
2: DraftKings and i'm like <laughs> looking at the, i'm looking at the lineup and i'm looking at alcantara oh. i'm like well, i'm not i'm oh. not
1: going anywhere near this one
0: you, know? you can't that had g league sixers vibes all over it <laughs> you yeah. guys are just going to perform you, you had, had
1: alcantara Al- Al- yeah. against strom you've had a lineup that included jake cave um cody yeah. clemens cody and garrett clemens. Stubbs at the bottom of the lineup and yeah. maybe you're looking at that and say yeah this is the this is the dock river scheduled loss is what this is yeah. this is right? the
2: back this is the second night of a road back to back where you got like yeah. Giannis or some show I'm yeah. like I'm not, I'm not touching this one with the 10 foot pole exactly. you know, I'm saying and then,
0: the yeah and then they go drop
1: 134 <laughs> on the net and you're like what the hell is going on right. so right so now you look at it and you got nola tonight and you got wheeler tomorrow and you say well maybe you sweep the marlins well that gets one of the games back that you probably thought you were going to you know Uh, win in texas that you didn't win so that's there's one and so like over the course of time like yes the series goes awry and it goes uh, differently than you thought it would go but you still have so much time to make up that game or two games down the road it it's yeah if no. it was
2: it's fine because like you made the sixers comparison kyle to the to that like betting on that game last night if it was basketball i would have been digging for like mac mcclung props mm-hmm. somewhere i'm like well he's probably yeah. gonna you know throw up a bunch of three points j cave home run props i wasn't going anywhere near like the spread for, or any of that shit for it, you know so i, I lost my I lost money the other night the, the team that the uh, union are playing on wednesday in the champions league they were up, uh, they were playing 11 versus nine because two guys got sent off for yeah. the other team. I'm like, surely they can't fuck this up, right? They're going to win up 11 versus nine. And then one of their idiot guys got a red card too. So it was 10 versus nine, and the game ended up as, in a draw. So you like, 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 that, was, a that, t- was like, t- it was a little Ted Lasso ish there, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's fucked up. Yeah, soccer betting is weird, man, because you're like, oh, there's no way they can mess this up, and then one of their bonehead players gets a red card, and next thing you know, it's like, oh, this is getting a little dicey, you know. Is uh, is soccer more fun when it's ten versus
0: nine? It's like seven on seven football spread the field out a little bit, let the boys play.
2: <laughs> no, I think it's actually less fun because the, what happens is the other team just like bunkers down. And they just oh, okay. play play defense the whole time, you know what I mean? <laughs> so like it's just it's just one team kind of passing and passing and passing and passing, and then the defense gets a hold of it and they just booted the ball up the field. It's like watching a power play in hockey, but nobody mm-hmm. can actually score, like a five on three kind of your power play that never ends, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially when you're of- watching Mexican teams because all the Mexican teams are just pass, pass, pass. So
0: speaking of hockey, Kev, do you know if you come in second place in the Stanley Cup, you don't get a championship ring the next uh, the next season? <laughs> They don't have a whole ceremony for you and everything. Yeah, they but, don't no, but really that's a good out. segue
2: actually, because Anthony, I, I needed to ask Anthony about this when we entered the conversation. Do the does the NHL still have the thing where the guys don't touch the trophy? Um, so that's
1: a that's a yeah. So that's kind of like a long-standing tradition. Yeah, but it's it's not not every team has followed it. There have been teams that have touched the the conference championship trophy,
2: yeah.
1: Uh, whether it's uh, the Campbell, Clarence Campbell, uh, or Prince of Wales, because it's, um, it's, it's a jinx, right? It's like the Bronx Tale. It's like it's the fucking jinx. Yeah, Put they think it's, the Yeah, it's a jinx yeah. as if they, this isn't the, the cup, the trophy we're playing for, right? Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, just so you know, Kyle, the the uh, NHL, I mean, isn't as traditional as major league baseball but oh. they do give out runner-up rings they don't, don't what they do yeah, i, I read that the, the fly the flyers did in 2010 they got rings
0: does every team do it every year though uh no does every team do, okay so, so so it's pick or no. choose
1: that, that yeah, that's what i said yeah they're not as traditional as baseball where baseball gives it to the the running the runner-up in baseball gets it every year
0: okay, pretty much i know the I nba definitely doesn't get rings I'm pretty sure Allen Iverson yeah. isn't. Well, he probably would have pawned it off. But I'm I'm pretty <laughs> sure Allen Iverson isn't carrying around a, a Eastern Conference Finals uh, championship ring from back in the day. I don't know. Here's here's my thing.
2: And back, back, back and, it up though, and frame the argument for people who don't un, who, who yeah. don't know what we were talking so about. So
0: Kev Kev wrote an article yesterday that Phillies fans overwhelmingly disagree with the sixer, or the, the philly excuse me uh nl championship rings um this is what they look like not uh, that they
2: disagreed with the rings it was the, it was the thought that like hey this is like a participation trophy thing here why are we doing a ceremony for like a second place second
3: runner up yeah.
2: that was the gist of the yeah. yeah
0: so which everyone knows and we know because we got hundreds and hundreds of comments that they've been doing this since 1995. Well, all of them have been doing this since 1995, 1993. Team from the Phillies has a ring. The 1950 team, I think, got one 25 years later in 75 because the owners were too cheap in 1950. So they have NL championship rings. The argument that I thought that Kevin was making kind correct me if I'm wrong is just that like it's kind of funny to just have the pennant being raised on opening day and then two years later 60 plus dudes are getting you know NLCS championship rings and guys like maybe Simon Muziati will remember this for the rest of his life but I don't think Bryce Harper is wearing that championship ring I don't think John Kruk was wearing his 1993 NLCS ring in the booth uh, yesterday. I just I think between me and Kev, we kind of think it's a little funny to have a ceremony after you raise the pennant or a ceremony just in general. And I know you disagree with that because you are a baseball traditionalist and you do, you know, you do you do tell us all the time about traditions and whatnot. So what is your thought process behind and all this? I'm Why are you let me just, to...
2: let, me just re- let me just reframe that because the problem that people had wasn't this really the story it's I mean the story was innocuous it was really just like hey some you know people think this other people think this like it was kind of a waffling kind of I understand both sides of its story people had a problem with the headline because I wrote the word overwhelmingly in the headline when they were like hey I don't see any evidence that people overwhelmingly think this is a participation trophy here whereas the shit that I was looking at every single reply every single comment like 75 percent of what I looked at was was like hey this is dumb shit this is like a runner-up thing so that's that's where people were upset with it. The article itself wasn't even really.
1: Yeah. I, I take no issue with what Kevin wrote. I think that what Kevin wrote was totally fine. Uh, I took issue with a few things. One, um, and again, I guess this is, I mean, Kevin's words, but I, but he's correct in describing it this way. People calling it a, like, basically calling it a participation trophy, right? Because let me, let me just point this out. I mean, it's not usual that those of us in a slightly older generation are the ones who are more familiar with the word, the trend, the trendy words that are in the lexicon than the younger generation. It's usually the younger generation that knows. Participation trophy is totally something that we came up with because we hated the fact that kids were getting participation trophies, right? When we never got them, when we played, when we played, you know, we got mad that kids weren't learning how to lose, that they were giving them participation trophies, which has now gotten turned into something, and it's it's one of those words that gets misused. Uh, frequently, this is it's like ironic, right? I mean, the, the word ironic. Well, participation trophy is like ironic, it gets misused. A participation trophy is for everyone who participates. The Phillies f- coming in second place finished ahead of 30 teams, right? I mean, that, that's not participating. That's you're going all the way to the championship. So to call it a participation trophy, number one, is what is what riled me. But number two, it's more than that it's when you're a player and you play in playing baseball and, and you're playing 162 games in 180 days and then you make a, a five-week run all the way to the world series and come up to win short i mean that's a hell of an that's a hell of a time period of your life where you are you know committing so much time and energy and everything and you got that close and you did really well And this is the reason that they do it in baseball and they kind of give out a uh league pennant ring um because it's it, it, it's such a grind for these players and it means a lot more to these players but also it, and it, the one thing i like about what the phillies did with theirs and i don't know if you guys know but it like the top part of the ring comes off like it mm-hmm. flips back and then it got a little piece of a ball that's inside and they put the, the whole dancing on your own thing and it's each one's got like a special engraving underneath as well for every player all this stuff i think it really kind of shows um the players how much the organization cares about them and one of the things that you try and do in baseball because there's no salary cap you can have a you can have a team if the players really like playing together and they are successful you can have a team that's good for a long time you don't have to have that short you know hey we have a three-year window win it now or now yeah, we got to start breaking it down and then try again, and you know, we're going to have a few years of lull and then come back and be good again. Now, in baseball, you could be good for a long time, okay? So the mm-hmm. whole concept of it is, is like let's put all these diamonds and rubies into this beautiful ring. Let's have this big presentation. Let's give it to every player who even threw one pitch or had one at-bat for the team and contributed to this. So that kind of it, – it creates – um, this kind of mantra about the organization and say, you know, have the pomp and circumstance and say, you know what, look at how they treat their players. They invited everybody back. These guys didn't do jack shit to help this team win, but yet they got a ring anyway. I mean, that's really shows that they care about their players. Hey, yeah, that's an organization I'll, I'd like to play for. I, I'd like to do that. I'd like to be part of that. And so like, to me, it's very, it's, it's cool. You know, yeah, the, the fans can applaud and that and that's great and all wonderful, but for the players, it matters so much more, and it really means something in the long run to see something like this happen. I think that it's a great thing for the, that the Phillies did this.
0: Does it? Does it really matter to? Like, like I, yeah. I go. I'll go back to it. I don't think Bryce Harper. Cares about this ring. I don't think Kyle Schwerber, who's won a World Series, cares about this. I think, it, it, I think it, these Those are aren't the guys, guys
1: that those aren't the guys you're talking about, though. Okay.
0: Well, I don't need to clap for Simon Musiati and it's Scott. Not, Dinger, it's not. It's
1: not. And those aren't the guys you're talking about either. It's it's guys who are considering coming. You're a free agent. And you're like, okay, I'm picking between a couple of teams. Hey, I hear all these great things about the Phillies. Look at how they take care of their players. Blah, blah, blah. And that that kind of stuff matters. Like little things like that matter. You know, for families and the things along those lines, every how they yeah. take care of fam. You saw the report that came out, and I guess we get—I um, forget if Kevin wrote it or you wrote it, uh, Kyle about um, the about the NFL when they did the really? players' association, like all the behind-the-scenes stuff that matters to the players, things that fans don't think about one iota, but yet these things matter to players. You know, and it matters for free agency and things like that. So I think that there is an element of that. And 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 one other thing I want to throw to, you, and this is my thing with the fans. Why do fans care that this is something that they do? Because guess what? This season, 2022, is something we will talk about for the rest of our lifetime. It's a memory that we have that will be like one of the all timers for the Phillies. We'll talk, look, we still talk about 93. I, we, we still talk, talk about, about 93. 93. And 93 was ninety three was the same thing. Yeah, but
0: if we, talk, if we talk about 93 because 94 through 2007 was absolutely terrible. If 94 and 95, they would have went back to the World Series, I don't know if we talk well, about
1: 93 as much. Well, we talk about the Phillies 07 to 11, and they only won one championship, right? I mean, they lost 07, 08, uh, 09, 10, and 11. Of course, but we talk about the 08
0: team and hold them in high regard more than we hold. Sli- any yes, of they're, other, they're above the others. Teams.
1: They're above the others, but we hold that entire group of that period together. And there was a lot, and they only won one out of five, right? So go ahead, Kev. I mean, I think I I think if the fans are allowed to remember it and the fans are allowed to celebrate that, why shouldn't the players and and the organization celebrate it too? I I have no problem with it.
2: Here is where I want to go with this, and I think the background is important because the the pennant winning the pennant used to be much different than winning like a the NFC title game right or winning the winning the nhl's eastern conference right because before interleague play in 1997 and before the universal dh and all this stuff that brought the two leagues together they were distinguished separate leagues right so when the 1993 phillies played the braves and the mets and the expos like 40 times that season at least it felt like you know like that was an achievement grinding through that schedule and beating all these same teams who you only played in your league right the astros yeah. before they went over to the al right so so it's this this argument i'm getting from baseball traditionalists is like the pennant means more it's always meant more well it goes back to hang on hang on i'll, I'll let you get it i just let me yeah. just say the whole thing so the, i'm getting this argument of like well they do this and they've always done this because the pennant always means more well the, the, the historically it has but that started to be watered down in 1997 that didn't happen yesterday so i think the thinking is much more aligned at least fan thinking, but whereas, you know, you look at like if the Eagles did something like this, the optics of like, hey, you finish as a runner-up. Technically, you finish second place. Going to the Super Bowl is still a huge freaking achievement. Hang the banner, let's celebrate it or whatever. But it looks weird to a certain group of fans who are like, what are we doing the ceremony for when you finish as a runner-up, right? But they're, they're withdrawing the traditional element of the pennant because the pennant doesn't mean what it used to mean. Right, So you can't say that it's like, well, it's always meant more in baseball. It used to, but because the leagues are not what they are anymore. Like, Let's be honest here. The American League is not the American League. The American League may as well be the American Conference. National League may as well be the National Conference because they're the same fucking thing now. They're not different leagues. There's interleague play, and they have the same rules. So it's, so th- there is that distinction that people are using to draw this like traditional argument about the pennant and why they do the ceremonies. Like, that doesn't
1: hold anymore. Well, so here's the thing. I will tell you it's infinitely harder now to win the pennant than it used to be because it used to be that you had to w- – Yes, you had to win your league, and if you want to go back even further than 1995, right? I mean, go back into the days where <laughs> very good comment, Patrick. But it goes yeah, back. To
2: people listening on the podcast, Pat, uh, <laughs> Pat, on the comment says that Jill Biden thinks the Phillies deserve a trophy. Yeah, that's that's funny. Um,
1: but if you if you go if you go back, like pre National League playoffs, pre NLCS, it was you win your league. It was eight teams. You had to win the yeah. league, and you got yeah. the pennant, right? So that's yeah. what made it. So that's why the, the the notion of winning the pennant was such an important thing.
2: It was like this mystical, like like uh, like romanticized thing. Like yeah. even in the baseball movies from back in the day. It's like the pennant,
1: you know. Yes, but now yeah, that's it's funny. It's funny that it doesn't the have ball. the same value today. Yeah. yeah, because it's a lot harder to win today because there's six teams in the playoffs you have to win three rounds to get the pennant so right. you have to you know you have to win you have to beat teams to get it whereas before you just got it by having the best record in the regular season so like to yeah. me it should be even it should be revered even a little bit more and the fact that it isn't kind of surprises me but it's not that it's not it's not about the difficulty of winning it it's about
2: the distinction and the uniqueness of winning it you know what I mean where because back in the day it was like the AL winner plays the NL winner right and that's the yeah, only time it, they played unless it was some exhibition shit right so I'm, I I think I don't know if I'm getting the point across properly like people were saying that it means more because the leagues have always been distinct but they're not distinct anymore right they haven't been just dis- as distinct as they they I, were before interleague I, play certainly I mean the Phillies already played the
1: Yankees and the Rangers in 1993 they didn't play them at all I just think it's a we are living in a NFL society these days right and so everything in the NFL is based off of winning a game one game you win one game and you move on and that's and that's it and so therefore the the notion of winning the conference isn't as as thrilling it's good it's great it's exciting because you get to go to the Super Bowl but actually just winning the conference and not winning the Super Bowl is not as exciting because it only took you a couple of games to do it Whereas in and I know B, the NBA doesn't really give out the rings either. You even you already said that. But yeah. it's it, the notion is, is that in sports where you have to win multiple games against multiple teams in the postseason to get to the final just makes it infinitely harder. And, and therefore, if you want to yeah, celebrate yeah. getting there, I think it's OK to do so because you're you're not winning the big one. I get it, but it's still pretty damn impressive to get to where you got to.
0: I'm all for the celebration. I just don't think there needs to be a 30 minute celebration before the game. I mean, I, I, I think it goes back to also the ring is just, it's kind of funny in a way because it has the same idiosyncrasies that it would have for a world series ring. It has dancing on my own on it. It has 0.82 carats for the 82 hits, 96 diamonds for the 96 wins. I, I just I, I think the raising the pennant is does enough. It's so much cooler. It goes from stadium to stadium. It'll be around for as long as MLB will be around. It's so cool to see those things flying in center field. and You can see the little distinction between World Series titles between NLCS titles between division titles and whatnot. These this, this this ring thing just feels like it's just like it is like a notch below a World Series ring. And that tells you because they don't They used the Phillies with the bell and that's their secondary logo. And for every world series rings, they always use the Phillies P and whatnot. And I just think that's kind of like a Testament to what the ring is. It's a second place ring. I just, I don't know. I, I, uh, Anthony, It'll what if
2: it. they did something where, and this is for you, question for you too, Kyle? Like, what if they did something where they did a private ceremony with just the players, and they gave them the rings? Well, I think and that they, they they filmed it and they put I it. Used up on to do teams. that. I mean, if you yeah. want to go back, like, and, and the, I mean, have done that. I mean, like the Mets have done that. The Rays did that two years ago, but the Rays also don't have any fans, right. so maybe they had to do that. I, you
1: know? Yeah, no, they, they've done they've done that in the past, and and I think that that's probably the more traditional. Way of doing this because I think I, it's the I think it's the optics of the whole thing that bothers me more than like the actuality of it. But the, and that's where and that's where my argument my my first argument and why I chose to make it the first argument. I think it matters more when you when you look at optics not worrying about the optics for the public you're worrying about the optics for the players yeah. and that's where the players but like oh my they went the extra mile they didn't just have yeah. us get together for a nice dinner and give us these yeah. rings in private yeah. they made us have this whole red carpet kind of event in front of all of our 50,000 fans and have them all cheering and screaming Reese Hoskins comes out of the dugout and the, that was cool in the crutches right was that a cool moment right it was a pretty cool, cool moment it's right cool moment. I mean so like I mean all those things that means so much more to the to the group and to everybody and be like hey look this was great now let's go get something a little bit better next time I think that that's I think it's a good I think it's a great thing all the way around can I just make one final point here because I don't yeah. I was,
2: I'm arguing with people on Twitter I think I've been better with this over the last couple of years I try not to do it and I don't care if people think that the ceremony is a good thing that's great I don't I'm not gonna like some shit on some somebody if that, that's their opinion and, and they see it one way and I say it yeah. the other way that's fine the thing that drives me crazy is when people reply to something with a logical fallacy or they respond with a non sequitur like when I say I think the ring ceremony is stupid and you respond not you Anthony but somebody responds and says well they've been doing it for 40 years that's a that's a non sequitur. It doesn't it yeah. doesn't matter how long they've been doing the ceremony because I would have thought it's stupid in 1998 and stupid in 2023. So like we can have a discussion about it, but you can't frame it in a, in a way that does not follow. You know what I'm saying? It's not about the cer- it's it's not about because people say well they've been that. you know they've been doing this for forever. Right? It that doesn't, doesn't matter how long they have been a, doing. It's, it, not, a right. it's not, not, a not a good
1: justification. You're right. It's not a justification. You're
2: talking about two. Different kind of things here, right? And I think I think you're right, Anthony, when you say winning, you know, going to the World Series in baseball is a lot harder. It means more than like, you know, if you're the Timberwolves and you win the play-in game and then you go on like a hot streak or something like that because you were shit for most of the year, right? Right, and then the playoff field is watered down because more teams are allowed to be in it, right? So I always think the baseball playoffs come with a certain distinction that other teams don't have, but that stink- distinction now. Is different because the pennant is different, and the leagues have changed. So I think it's harder, but not for the reasons that a lot of baseball traditionalists were yelling at me for. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I, I know you guys so, have to. I, uh, no, well, no he's not on yet, so here? We just talk but about. It. It. Yeah, that's all good. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. So, somebody, so got, if, somebody's got a question. Are you? If you, uh, I mean, if you still want to talk about the baseball thing, it's no, no. a Flyers question too. That's fine. Oh, I, got, I, I, got got the, one, I got one. I want to
1: transition to the Flyers too, but go ahead. Okay.
0: Well, I got one question. So when the when the Eagles don't do their public ceremony of the uh, NFC Championship rings, do we lose on, out on free agents for twenty twenty
1: four? No, but I. But it, it, again, it's not even that, Kyle. It's it's more about how it's per, perceived by the players. That's all. I mean, look. The, the, the Eagles I know but a- it's also
0: like, hey, listen, I okay, I can also give you a lineup of uh, Trey like- Turner making three hundred million, yeah. uh, Bryce Harper making three hundred million, and yeah. then some really yeah. awesome also- Stott
1: and Bone guys. There's a difference, though, too. The Eagles have to work within a salary cap, right, whereas the Phillies do not. So I am shocked that
0: a, John Middleton actually, after he complained about losing $100 million, actually went out of his way to take money out of his own pocket and buy yeah. these rings.
1: Do you, want to pop that, do you want to pop that question back up again? Yeah, put that question back up. Oh, uh, Hang on. Let me scroll up here and find it. It was about Claude Giroux and the Flyers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so Claude Giroux got his $1,000. Oh, here, let me
0: read it. Let me read it for the people on the podcast. Can Ant comment on the fact Giroux hit a thousand points and the flyer said nothing? Quotations. Sharks congratulated Pavelski for reference.
1: Yeah. So, so both Claude Giroux and Joe Pavelski uh, each reached the one thousand point plateau in the NHL, which is a it's a it's an honor. That's a pretty good number. Um, usually leads to Hall of Fame induction. Uh, not everybody, but almost everybody in that club gets gets into the Hall of Fame. So a thousand points is a lot. That's great. Um, they both did it on the same night. Mm the Joe Pavelski played his predominance of his career with the San Jose Sharks, of course gets the 1000th point with the Dallas stars and the San Jose Sharks put out a tweet um, congratulating Pavelski on his thousand points. Uh, Claude Giroux gets his 1000th point with the Ottawa senators and the flyers did not put anything out. Um, Do I think that they probably should have? Yeah, I do. I do think that they probably should have put something out. Um, um, I, I do think that they they miss things like that from time to time. Yeah, that's um, weird. I you yeah. know, they just they just they just do, uh, and and it's like not understanding where Giroux fit in this sports landscape for so long. I think I mean, they did such a nice job with him when his when he returned and the whole Claude Giroux comes back to Philly thing. I thought that they hit that one on the they hit the, that nail on the head, but that was in arena in front of the fans that were present, and they got it. But I think that sometimes they still miss the gra- greater uh, fan base, what matters to them. And would they have liked. So, like, I'll give you an example. Yeah. Today is the day, it's the anniversary of Ed Snyder's death today, right? Now, oh, if you cool. remember, if you remember, a year and a half ago, we killed them for mm-hmm. not recognizing Ed Snyder's birthday on January 6th, 2022, oh. right? And that led to a lot of. Uh, a lot of consternation. It's you know, the fans boiled over. The Snyder family got disappointed about it, right? And it all stemmed from a tweet that I put out, right? And now today they're, they put out a, a tweet. Remember, we remember our founder on the day he, we lost him you know, or something along those lines. Um, they put that out today. So like they can learn, they can figure it out. They can kind of understand. Oh yes. The, this fan base cares about things like that. Um, but they, did they miss one here with Drew? They did. They absolutely did. That doesn't mean that they won't get it right down the future. Like when he gets inducted into the hall of fame, maybe they congratulate him. Or if he wins a Stanley cup, maybe they congratulate him. But at this point, yeah, today, they, you know, yesterday they missed it. Must have because he never thanked the fans like he promised. This is true. This is true. He did not (laughs) thank the fans with that letter. Like he promised, he would he would do something.
2: Yeah, Russ is still waiting for the that letter to come out. Russ has the
0: tinfoil hat on somewhere in Potsdam. I
1: have have one other flyer. Quick, quick, quick flyers thing, and Craig has uh, a photo for you guys. I thought you'd get a kick out of this. So you guys did put the video up. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, when I was in the dunk tank
2: mm-hmm.
1: at the at the Flyers Carnival, and Val Camillo dunked me in the dunk tank, right? And she, the the Flyers uh, CEO uh, of business operations, came up un- unannounced, pushed the plunger. I went down. When I went down in that dunk tank, what I never said publicly, but what happened when oh, I went yeah. down in the dunk tank, um, I jammed my foot against the bottom of the tank, and I broke my pinky toe no i did i absolutely did it was a little, little broken pinky toe you gonna sue uh, so i called them as a joke completely as a joke and said <laughs> i didn't sign a waiver you know i could probably sue the company for the- like and like we were laughing about it and having a good time about it i get a phone call on friday to stop by the wells Fargo. they knew i was going to the phillies opener and they said stop mm-hmm. by the wells fargo center when you come down here uh val camillo has something for you and i show up at the, at the Wells Fargo Center. And, Craig, you want to pop the photos up? This is what they had made. It's a cake. Oh, okay. that's a really good cake with the foot <laughs> with the on foot, top. With the, toe, with the wrapped toe, the ice cubes that were candy. Get well, love the Flyers. Was the cake that they <laughs> – they got me, so yes, Val, Val Camilla, that's the headline. Yes, yes. Uh, vindictive Val Camilla. she finally out. gets you but back. She got, she me, back got, she got, got me back, and she got me that cake. Pretty awesome to get that cake made, right? But uh, never. no, that is great.
0: Shout out to the Flyers. Hey, listen, we need some wins this season with uh, with the Flyers. I know they were <laughs> overtaken by Boston Bruins
1: fans on the way, weekend. And stuff. By the way, the cake was delicious. Good. It was it was really, all the chocolate delicious. or vanilla? It was a vanilla. It was a vanilla cake, but it was really, it had a little bit of um uh i don't want to say strawberry but like a Ooh. like a berry fi- like a berry filling inside with white cream Damn. too it was it was great it was absolutely great. no the two pat the, he's, I, there was a comment i only got four toes uh the the two on the end you can't really tell are, are tape together <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, i love that well shout out to flyers you know what that's awesome good for them look at that <laughs> extending uh Breaking down, breaking down barriers. I like
1: yeah, that. I, the one thing I will say, I will say about Val, and she does, you know, she doesn't do a lot like publicly. She doesn't let her personality show publicly. She's actually very sarcastic and very funny. She needs it. She really should come out publicly more this way. It would be, it would really resonate in Philadelphia. I think so. We'll tell anyway. her she
0: can come on here anytime she wants, and we can talk about breaking more toes in case you get out of line. All
1: right. There you go. There you go. Absolutely, we'll do. All
0: right, man. Thanks for coming on. We always hey, anytime, appreciate guys. arguing with you.
1: Yeah, love it. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'll talk buddy. to you soon. See you, man. Talk to you.
3: Peace.
0: All right, he's been waiting. Get the hell off him. Oh, no. Get him out. Jesus! Get, get him out, get, out of here. Get him out of here. <laughs> All right, he's been waiting very patiently. Let's bring him not, on. New Yorker's not known to do it. Nets. What's up, Nets, guys? Reporter, NBA oh, reporter man. from our sister site, E S N Y. Elite Sports New York, Danny Small. Thank you for joining us, buddy. Um, We're sorry that we kept you long, but let's make this a quick interview like we think the Sixers are going to dispose of the Nets very quickly. I mean, it's uh, I can't argue with that. Yeah. What is it? Minus 900 favorites right now. I think it went up minus to a minus a thousand for the Sixers. Um, I'll be honest with you. Ever since the Durant trade. I think the only guy I can really nail on the top of my head is Mikel Bridges. Who's having an absolutely great mm-hmm. year. Ben Simmons shut down You're 11 and 13 post all-star break. Be honest with us. Are we just wasting our time even playing this? should the, uh, should the Sixers move on to second round or the Nets got some fire in them? You think?
3: Mm, I don't think the Nets have any fire. Uh, unfortunately, from like a New York perspective, I'm not like a Nets fan or anything, but obviously I would back the Nets over a Philly team, like in a situation like this, but Yeah, I don't think the Nets really have any uh, chance because just wrote a column about it. It's just Embiid. They have no way of stopping Embiid. Nick Claxton is a really good defender. Uh, Probably will make an all-defense team this year, I think. He'll probably be on the second team. But, you know, I mean, Claxton's a skinny guy, good defender who can block shots and kind of run the floor. But Embiid is just a different level altogether. Uh, And I think the fact that he's going to be able to get in there Get some get to the line. You know, if Claxon ever goes into foul trouble, their backup center is Dayron Sharp, who is young, doesn't play a ton, obviously a bigger guy who can like body up with Embiid, but the Nets just they don't have the front court depth to really hold Embiid back. Uh and I actually I wrote about it. I think the Nets maybe they can steal one game, either yeah. catching the Sixers, you know, flat footed in game one or getting a win at home. But just with Embiid, the way he's playing, uh and I agree with you guys, the Philly guys. I think he should be MVP. Uh, if I had, oh, no, that was
2: my he, next question. Yeah,
3: if I had a vote, he'd probably. Out, you're not just not. saying
2: that because you're on this
0: yeah. show. Right? No, yeah. no,
3: I've. Okay. I mean, a couple of the games he's had recently, like, just put him over the top. Jokic kind of fell off towards the end. It seemed like he kind of like lost that edge the last month of the year. Sad Giannis lot. obviously has has a good case as well, but I don't know. I, I think after the last couple of seasons, too, when you put it all in perspective, I think MVP deserves to be the MVP
0: so let's talk about that for a quick second I compare it to kind of like Leonardo DiCaprio and when you remember I don't know how old you are but Leo like couldn't win an Oscar mm. like he should have won for Wolf of Wall Street you could argue should have won for Aviator should have won for Blood Diamond whatever and then they give it to him for The Revenant and it's just like you know he was good in The Revenant but The Revenant's not one that like hey you're sitting on a Saturday you're like what Leo movie do you want to watch The Revenant's not gonna be picked first so I kind of look at it like it's kind of Joel and Yeah, but B- wait, the
2: Revenant's a really good movie. Like but it's
0: not the one you're gonna you're gonna pick when you're thinking of Leo. If you and if you and the wife sat down, and you said, Hey, yeah. we've got five Leo movies here. Are you gonna pick the Revenant as the top one? Well, the Revenant's kind
2: of a tough watch too. It's not a tough watch, it's like an involved watch.
0: Are you gonna it's pick the
2: revenant or not? I guess not.
0: Yeah. No. So what I'm saying is if we looked at this 20 years from now. And Jokic has three, maybe Giannis has three, and Joel Embiid has zero when he was robbed because of that knee injury a couple of years ago, and then nine missed games of COVID uh, when that was used against him. It would look pretty gaudy if if Joel Embiid had zero MVPs, you know, twenty years from now. What do you think about that?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think I think he probably it was like a coin flip last year. Uh, I think the first year Jokic definitely deserved it. Yeah. Last year you could have flipped a coin between the two of them, and I think this year it you know you could you could pick any of the three guys and I think you could make a case for them. But yeah, like you said, you know, historically, like looking back on it, and probably deserves one of the MVPs these years. Uh Jokic having two, Giannis will have Giannis has two. And mm-hmm. Embiid should get that next one. Cause he's I, I think right now those three um obviously there's guys like Steph and LeBron and in the playoffs things are different but as far as like regular season accolades and things like that and Bede, i mean he's just been so dominant this year and some of the knocks on him is that you know he can't stay healthy miss games but this year he's he's been pretty pretty healthy uh, yeah. i think what he's he's probably up to 70 games or so
0: 68 um, Sixty-eight, and then, yeah. Uh, so then Jokic is sixty-nine, though, because he sat. Yeah, exactly. A bit. Yeah, the yeah. two of
3: them are right there uh, on top of each other. And then, I mean, people always talk about voter fatigue. I think there's definitely something yep. to be said there for Jokic and um, even Giannis, still a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: and I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to some of those like trackers they're that great. have like Embiid. Yeah, those things are awesome. But uh, looks like so far Embiid is getting a lot of love. Uh, Jokic, the forty-seven ringer. Uh, mm-hmm voters yeah, just yeah. i guess they're not gonna be able to tilt the scales this year
2: no nah, well they're trying to rally 10 cent to get in there too and <laughs> yeah up. yeah right because yeah, it's like yeah. survivor it's like they're trying to form yeah. little alliance we, the we gotta China hope
0: said. the 10 cent the vote is, is split that's what we have to yeah. hope for we have to hope uh yeah. one goes yeah. Giannis, one
2: goes Jokic. the ringer will just j- try to gerrymander the process next year so their entire fucking staff can vote for, are they uh, redlining the district you're saying out there Uh, There may be some Boston. Well, I mean, maybe Daryl Morey was on to something when he talked about the uh, shameless and overrepresented uh, Boston media. So Craig just pulled up the uh, latest tracker here. What we've got? We've got uh, three uh, Jokic first place votes, or as Kyle would say, Jokic, Jokic. three first place for him, Joel Embiid 15, Giannis 4. Uh, total points to uh, Embiid 169, Jokic 96, Giannis 82. Of course, not a you know, these are just cobbled together from guys going on various podcasts or Twitter or whatever and saying, I'm voting for this guy or whatever the hell. JJ Reddick said he's coming out and voted for Giannis. A Did couple of fourth place and fifth place votes here for Tatum and uh, SGA. Did you see we flipped Jalen Rose? Jalen Rose, yeah, what was like that? Was that, I, thought that? I, thought he came, I thought he came out and said he was voting
0: for uh. For Giannis, and then yesterday yeah. he recorded a video and had he he's now uh, his vote went to Embiid, so we flipped him, baby. We flipped him oh, like so uh, Georgia. Bullying,
2: bullying does after worse, the season, you know? yeah, stop does the work. Yeah, yeah. Stop the count, yeah. Stop the count. Stay if you're in line, stay in line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't. Yeah, stay in line. They can't send you home. Um, votes. Deliver water to the people in line, right? Um, <laughs> hey, you know, the only thing I was thinking, Danny, is like with the Nets. The series well first of all i mean can you imagine if ben simmons was still playing i mean this would be fantastic you know i mean it would have been content for days you know but uh i i don't i, th- I think the only th- the only thing that like because i look at it from this perspective of like okay what is the concern here for the sixers number one the nets have nothing to lose they're playing with house mm. money i mean they traded you know Durant and kyrie so whatever anything for them is a bonus and uh I don't I don't you know, it's weird because at the same time, I'm sitting here thinking like, well, who's going to carry the scoring load for them? I mean, is Mikael Bridges going to go off for 30 every night? I mean, two years ago, he was a wing uh, that, you know, did not have any any offensive chops. that looked like this. But at the same time, I'm like, OK, one of him or Dinwiddie or Seth Curry might be able to get hot. The Sixers don't have amazing perimeter defenders i mean if there's a path for the nets here is that what it is like one of the guards maybe kind of getting hot here having like a big game or the sixers maybe maybe losing like the non-imbeat matchups on the floor
3: yeah i think i think for sure bridges is going to be their go-to guy uh since they traded for him he's he's actually
2: crazy man he's
3: he's been really good and i yeah i know it's small sample size only 20 or so games yeah um but he's been crushing it in the mid-range Uh, Obviously, he's a good three-point shooter, good defender. I'm honestly surprised at how how seamlessly he kind of transitioned into that number one option. I wasn't really expecting that this early. But, I mean, the Nets, you know, if you believe the reports, they turned down four first-round picks from somebody for Bridges at the deadline. So they clearly believe in him as a long-term option. And I think it was the Grizzlies, so those are, you know, lower first-round picks if you think of it that way. Um, But this series for the Nets, really, it's just an opportunity to see how Bridges does in this role in a big series. And then aside from him, they just have all these long athletic wings. You know, they got Dorian Finney-Smith, Cam Johnson. uh, You said Dinwiddie, who's the primary ball handler. I think really their best chance at stealing a game is just late. Uh, Obviously, Claxton's going to have to play a lot. But late in the game, just going small trying to run and beat off the floor, basically, and hope he doesn't destroy you when you're small like that. And they'll just have to get hot from three. You know, I I think Cam Johnson has had some really big games where he's just gotten hot out of nowhere. Bridges can Mm -hmm. carry the scoring load for, you know, the most part. But they're going to need some kind of lucky game where they just all get hot to even take one. And, you know, like I don't think they have any chance of making this a series that goes six or seven games because you can only – you can only get away with that for one or two games if you're lucky against a team like the Sixers. I mean, Embiid is just going to be too much of a force offensively. I think Harden will be fine, even given you know some of his playoff struggles in the past. Maxi, I think, will be well equipped to play in a game like that where the Six or where the Nets are going small and just trying to like run up and down. So I really, I think for the Nets, this is kind of just like an opportunity for them to see what they have in front of them. And then they'll retool in the offseason because, I mean, once you trade Durant and Kyrie, like you're giving up on a championship this year. Not that I expected them to go to the finals or anything, but you're basically saying like, all right, we're looking three years down the line as opposed to trying to do anything in the playoffs now.
0: That's crazy because wait, so like what's the what's the feeling behind the Nets right now? Because you had the Kyrie Harden Durant stuff that doesn't work Mm -hmm. out. You already went through DeRon Williams, Paul Pierce, mm-hmm. Joe Johnson, Kevin Garnett, Mikhail Prokhorov, all those guys. Like, what's the vibe around Brooklyn Nets? Because, like, and then even like the Jason Kidd, Vince Carter years where you guys mm-hmm. are always the bridesmaid, never the bride and stuff. Like, Nets basketball, like, are they done with star players? Do they just want to develop homegrown talent now? We don't want the big signing anymore because I, I'd feel like I was, you know, spurned again.
3: Yeah, it definitely seemed like Nets fans enjoyed those, like the D'Angelo Russell year, where they they beat the Sixers at Game One. Like it seemed like Nets fans liked that team more than the Durant yeah. and Kyrie. Is that the Jared Obviously. Dudley team? Yes, Jared yeah, so with the I with the arms be. out. I hate. Ben oh, it. Yeah. Simmons
2: got booed. Ben Simmons got booed off the floor. I think in the first game, they told everybody to stay on that side, and then I think he went up and dropped to like thirty something. He had like a triple double in the next game, and oh. then indeed – and then there was a fake picture of Embiid going to Shake Shack, I think, and like Howard Eskin fell
3: for it or something. It was from like a year. He got he sick that series, right? Why
2: Embiid was eating Shake Shack
3: during the playoffs or something like that? Yeah, there was a lot. I remember there was a lot. He going got diarrhea. On. He missed the game. I think. If oh, I yeah, be, he definitely missed. He definitely missed one game that series, which uh, the Sixers won. Yeah. Uh, I think the term they
2: were using back then,
3: Danny, is gastroenteritis. Yeah. Yeah. Get our correct medical terminology. Yeah. A little more blunt up here, but, Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, back to the original question. I mean, I think the Nets will definitely be trying to go pair someone with bridges at some point, but like for now, yeah, they're definitely in wait and see mode. I mean, I I grew up with those, uh, those Nets Jason kid teams. Like, uh, you know, I was a kid for those, went to a couple Nets playoff games, um, like, those teams were fun, and for the most part, they were homegrown, and then you just pick up a guy like Kid who could kind of make it all come together. Uh, I don't – I mean, it's hard at this point to say where things are going, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Nets take a look at Trey Young in the offseason. season. It seems like Atlanta, things are kind of getting a little shaky over there for him. Pair up bridges, Young, maybe, like, keep some of those athletic wings. Well, Jock Vaughn better
0: be getting his uh, resume updated because that's a coach killer yes, right there, Trey. Young. That's
3: true. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, Jock Vaughn—he's an okay coach. He's, but he's ten times better than Steve Nash. Steve Nash was terrible, and that hurts me to say. I love Steve Nash growing up, watching him, but uh, he was just an awful coach.
0: How crazy is it that he was coaching in the beginning of the year? I feel like he hasn't been coaching for like ten months or uh, even twelve months, twenty-four months now. It feels like he was coaching two years ago. I can't believe yeah, I mean, like, he, everything that's happened doing, in
3: this land he wasn't doing much coaching but uh
0: <laughs> making a lot I, of tiktoks
3: yeah he was making tiktok dances but i always i just went back to the playoffs like in my mind of them against the Celtics cuz they got swept and obviously that was like kind of the end of the KD Kyrie era for all yeah. intents and purposes and that series it like steve nash and i'm not going to sit here and say like i know like the schemes are running and everything and like oh i'm i'm no better than coaches but every time up the floor is like okay just give Kevin Durant or Kyrie the ball and see if they can score and they, like the Emi Adoka who is also not coaching anymore for other reasons, but uh, he just, he ran circles around Steve Nash, that series. So I don't think Vaughn really tips the scales at all in the playoff series this year, but they'll at least be running sets and like trying to get bridges, the ball in space and um, just not basically like, all right, let's run ISO every play, which was kind of Steve Nash's default.
0: It's, It's funny because, like, you guys kind of have the same kind of story that the Sixers had when Kawhi hit that shot at the end. And, you know, that was Mm -hmm. probably the best team we've had since, you know, now um, with Kevin Durant, if he wears a size 11 and hits that three, Mm -hmm. you guys are going to play. I think it was Milwaukee
3: uh they would have beat milwaukee that series yeah
0: Uh, it was the eventual champion
3: and then uh it was the celtics next round i think maybe or no it was the the hawks that year right the hawks beat the sixers i think yeah the
0: hawks beat the Sixers that year yeah so it was basically we lost the eventual champion you guys lost the eventual champion it's just like Mm -hmm. a game of inches and it's just history could have been rewritten who knows if kd james harden and Kyrie are still together right now it's crazy
2: um here's the thing here. Let me pull it. uh Craig. If you got that thing, you can pull it up real quick. I want to read something over top of it. So in that first Philly Brooklyn game, 413, 2019, Ben Simmons in game one had nine points, seven rebounds, and three assists. Then he came back with a triple double, 18, 10, and 12 mm-hmm. in game two. And then they went up in game three. Remember the Jared Dudley, yeah, where he had 31 points.
3: Oh, or, yeah, that was the, yeah. the arms out game, right? Yeah,
2: Ben Simmons. That was the best playoff game. Ben Simmons has ever played 31. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. the best game. So, the, and this was, uh, I'm sorry, what am I looking, oh, this is the Mikhail Bridges, this is the Bridges thing, correct, yeah, uh, so this is Bridges game logs. so he said 22 points, 26, 24, 30, yeah, he had a 42 point game, yeah, he was on fire point. when he got traded, oh, yeah. on. He, he was playing there. awesome, he was three like, 50, win. I mean, he was a 3 and D wing coming into, coming into the league,
3: He was scoring 50, 40, 90 on like 25 points per game in his first like 10 games with the Nets. So efficiency has gone down a little bit, but I mean, yeah, he's, he's having a good, good little stretch here. And like that 42 point game, that was the same night that Jalen Brunson had like 49 or whatever it was. So, and the Nets are obviously second class citizens in New York. So uh, like anything happens with the Knicks, like that's overshadowing anything that happens with the Nets. The uh, the year the Nets went to the playoffs against the Sixers, like the Nets were a good team, exciting, fun to watch. They had a star in D'Angelo Russell and like the Knicks were still the bigger story. And it was like, should Frank Neal Aquino be getting the, you know, the last spot in the rotation that was in New York? That was like a 10 times bigger story. So the Nets are always going to be like that. But it just is what it is. By the way, Jared Dudley, of course, is right
2: because at the time the comment was that he's like ben simmons is amazing in transition and average and half court offense mm-hmm. so obviously that came true and more but I, I i i went back and was looking at the thing and they went up three to one in brooklyn and that's when Embiid went to shake shack uh so that's where the the um the picture was from and then the picture resurfaced a year later and somebody sent it to to howard and he thought it was from from that Love from 2020 but it was from 2019 but yeah they they didn't i can't believe howard missed that yeah i know i know <laughs> that he wait here it is i think we got yeah this is the shake shack video it's real
3: skinny You're,
0: you you've been to that brooklyn shake shack
3: i have nah, not i i don't get out to brooklyn too much i'm i'm a jersey city guy so
2: it's over yeah he said it. that's right he said it was over when he got in the thing but i don't like um danny what's the the uh i mean you're aware of the the philly kind of uh view that nobody here gives a shit about the sixers until they get out of Mm -hmm. the second round you know so it's like they just had this really really good regular season best win percentage they've had third best win percentage they've had in 30 years but it's only it's get out of the second round or bust and like I, i don't I'm wondering what the national perspective is on that or even the regional perspective, like when Nets fans or Knicks fans look at the Sixers, I mean, do they say the same thing? Like I'll take this team and this franchise seriously when they get to the Eastern conference finals.
3: I think so for sure. Um, I mean, there aren't a ton of Nets fans out there and I would imagine most of them are kind of thinking, you know, this series is a wash and Philly's going to beat them. But I'd say for the, for the most part in New York, like, I mean when was the last time you know the Sixers made a conference finals I feel like everyone just kind of expects them to wilt in the second round Then mm-hmm. the fact that they have Doc Rivers who you know the 3-1 stuff like he's he's been having kind of issues in the playoffs uh in recent years so I think definitely like there's that perspective in New York but that's also you know I think from Philly that's like kind of like a you know, uh, a self-deprecating thing, you know, Philly fans, which New York fans do that too, to their teams. But from New York, it's more of just like, oh, you know, Philly sucks. Like there's no way they're going to get out of the playoffs. I think, I think right now it's the bucks are like the slight favorite. And then I think I would probably take Philly over Boston right now. So I I would, I think any of those three teams could get out of the East with Cleveland having a puncher's chance and maybe the Knicks a little bit lower than that. But, um, but yeah, I, I I just I think Embiid like he's been so good for so many years now. He is good in the playoffs, even though people like tend really to awesome. think Sixers, Sixers like Wilt in these moments. I think Embiid will will dominate this series, obviously. I think they'll get through no problem. I think the Celtics will have a tougher time with if if it is the Heat. Um I think Celtics will have a, a little bit of a struggle with the Heat. And then the next series, Embiid versus Celtics, I think Embiid could take over and dominate that series.
0: Well, we've been talking about if he goes on a run to the finals, that's Iverson ask. He's going to put this team on his back. Yeah. At least he has uh, James Harden with him when uh,
3: mm-hmm.
0: when when now Iverson had Eric Snow and Aaron McKee. Yeah. Um, but it is also the thing that I feel like no one's really talking about is this is the first time in about four years that Joel Embiid's been healthy going into the playoffs, mm-hmm. which is crazy. No no freak injuries of broken faces. Mm-hmm. No torn meniscus is a day or day after the uh, game one and whatnot. Just no dumb injuries. Obviously, last year with Pascal Siakam throwing a bow. so Mm -hmm. it happens in the playoffs now too. But uh, but yeah, I mean, not a lot of people are talking about that. But I think that's kind of like a major story that you know should be should be brought to light. Uh, Kev, I got nothing else on the playoffs. I wanted to ask Danny one thing.
2: Okay, you wanted to? Oh, okay. I was asking if you got anything. Oh, you want to ask me if I had anyone think no, no, I just I think we covered it all. I just I would agree with you. I think that like um, you know, when I was still on the the beat, quote unquote, um, that was the main topic that like Brett Brown and everybody talked about, right? It was the landing, the plane quote. It's like how do we how do we deliver how do we deliver a healthy I'm talking like Embiid here, not Brett Brown. How do we deliver a healthy uh you know, Embiid to the playoffs? Okay, well they did it, right? They finally did it. I, it's crazy that that fell by the wayside. But, yeah, I mean, that was the thing. I mean, I mean, my first year on the quote-unquote beat was Markel Foltz breaking Embiid's face. So, um, yeah, I remember all yeah. that, man, the mask and, and all that shit and the f- confetti coming down prematurely. So, I don't know. I yeah. mean, I guess my, my I don't really have anything else for, for you, Danny, other than well, my thing is that I think whoever comes out of the East wins it pretty easily. Like, I, I don't. I don't see anybody in the West unless somebody goes on a run uh, beating the East winner. So, like, in my mind, I think the Eastern Conference title is the – the Eastern Danny, Conference to me is the championship.
0: Danny seemed like you didn't agree. So, a little uh,
3: – mm. I mean, like, the Warriors and Suns, I think they're both You're on the coming Warriors? together. I mean, like, they won last year. Like they got Wiggins back. In, in, Clay in Thompson. Yeah, yeah. Clay Thompson it, it, is starting to play really well. Like, I, I just wouldn't count them out. It's funny I agree that. it's like it's very like Rockets'
0: s back in the '90s. Like they they were injured all year, and then mm. in like I think '94, '95, whatever the two years that Jordan wasn't there, mm. they were hurt and they were like a five six seed, and they ended up winning the whole title.
3: Yeah, and I, I don't think you can count them out mm. just with with kind of uh, especially like getting Wiggins back was big for them. Mm. If he can kind of seamlessly enter the rotation, Clay is a much better player than he has been the last couple of years. I think he's finally kind of gotten around those injuries, and then you know Steph is Steph. Then for the Suns, Kevin Durant is amazing. He's legit. I don't think it's going to be too many. Like, there's no chemistry issues there. He can kind of fit in with anybody. Booker's legit. Chris Paul's old. But I wouldn't count those teams out. But, yeah, I got the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, uh, the Kings. Those teams don't necessarily – and even probably not the Lakers either. Like, those teams don't scare me as far as, like, going against the Bucs, the Celtics, the Sixers.
0: I can't wait for the Grizzlies to go out uh
3: yeah that, that is I'm, the most team.
0: one more thing before I let you go uh we're having a lot of disagreement right now in Philadelphia I'm sure you've seen it because we're all in slack together and everything the city over like the stadium being uh mm-hmm. being built downtown and whatnot a lot of people mm-hmm. who proposed or who opposed the stadium excuse me they reference uh, the Washington Wizards down in Chinatown how it took away that and everything but a lot of people who are in favor of the stadium. They referenced Brooklyn. They referenced the Barclays Center and stuff and saying how it revitalized the neighborhood and everything. Can you tell us more like good or bad? I don't care about the effect the stadiums had on that part of Brooklyn.
3: I mean, I didn't spend a ton of time in that area like before the Barclays Center went up, uh, so I can't really speak too much on like what it was, you know, what it was like down there. But, I mean, I've been through a couple games there. Uh, like the Islanders used to play there. I used to go see the Islanders there every once in a while. It's like a nice little area. It's, you know, it's fairly easy to get to from the other boroughs. Uh, I think the problem just with the Nets going there is, like, their fan base was for the most part in New Jersey. So, like, they're kind of making it tough for their New Jersey fans to get over there when they, you know, made the move back there whatever it was like a decade plus ago. Uh, so, I think, like, from that perspective – I'm like, I was not a huge fan of the move to Brooklyn. I get why they did it. Uh, but you know, in Philly, like, it's not like they're moving the stadium, like to a different, to a different spot where Philly fans are going to have a tougher time getting to it. Uh, so like that, that's always been my knock on the Nets moving to Barclays, but like overall in terms of like for Brooklyn itself, like I mean, I I think it's a pretty, it was a pretty good move for them. That area is like a nice little area, you know, yeah. Easy access. You get people from long Island who can get there now, which I guess they're trying to tap into that fan base as well. Uh, So, I mean, I, I don't know a ton about the Philly and the Chinatown situation. Obviously read Kevin's article from, uh, you know, whatever it was a month or so ago. Uh, But yeah, Yeah. I mean, all this, all this stadium stuff is, uh, it seems like it always just turns into like a,
0: Oh, it's always a it's always a political yeah. insane. Yeah, exactly. it, it, it quickly went down
3: the shitter.
2: Yeah. It yeah, quickly it went down the shitter. We're
0: nine yeah. we're still nine years away, which is crazy. You're the thing you did mention though, how it is people do complain about how tough it is going to get there. That's the people who live in Delco and Chesco mm-hmm. and all those ones on the other side, when all of us Monco or Bucks guys, us blue collar, hardworking guys, we took the train. Then we took the subway all the way out to South Philadelphia and they're all complaining that they can't get in. Now I don't want to hear it. Now we're all meeting in the middle. Now it's an even yeah. playing field. Now we're all it's level ground.
2: It's a completely different thing So I mean, Danny's right. Like his analogy is right. I mean, you're asking people to go from Newark to go to Brooklyn. Yeah, um, That's why. right. But it's a different kind of thing, you know, because the people who could drive to South Philly, like they don't want to get on the fucking subway. You know what I mean? Like try telling the dad, the conservative dad with two daughters, like, hey, get on the subway after you just watch some guy get shot on the subway on the news. You know what I mean? It's like a, it's a bust. philosophical thing, I guess. I, I don't know, you know, but it's the right thing. But, Bus uh,
0: transportation is going to go through the roof. I can't wait. Yeah. Um, yeah we'll see. Danny, right, thanks man. for coming on, man.
2: Yeah. Yep,
3: appreciate, you, I, uh, guys.
0: appreciate you waiting 15 minutes while we uh, argued <laughs> with Ant. What are you doing after good. this? We drop it in Verdansk or are we playing Modern Warfare 2?
3: Uh no I'm an Overwatch guy. That's, Overwatch that's guy, my game. Overwatch, yeah. No nobody it It's definitely something yeah. online for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be promo cool. promo content, man. Promo yeah, concept. No, I'm uh, still I the game kind of sucks from where it was like in 2015 when I first started playing, but I'm stuck on it. I can't I can't stop playing now. I'm still playing you. Rocket League, man. Yeah, Rocket <laughs> League. <laughs>
0: Brand loyalist. I love it. Thanks, Danny. Appreciate you, man. All right. Thanks, guys. Peace, brother. Hey, go read Elite Sports New York. That's where our sister site, where Danny is. Um, if you want to keep up to date on what's happening, not only in Philadelphia, but what's happening
2: regionally, extend extend your reach a little bit. Read more people. Um, Danny's a commercial guy now. Danny does a lot of our promo stuff, you know, sign up, click here. Pays our that. bills. He used, to be, he used to be much more. Yeah, I mean, he used to just be straight, like, sports writer for SNY, so
0: he wrote write the. Him, I was looking at his stuff. He writes the occasional uh, New York stuff. Hey, anything? Yeah. Can I talk about the Big Five real quick? And uh, Kyle Neptune just totally spitting on the big announcement tonight? Yeah. Thank you. Um, I don't love. Your show, okay, man. I, you can talk about whatever the hell you want to talk about. I don't about, love you know? the Big Five. <laughs> F- that yes, doesn't please. have a bi- that that doesn't have Villanova and Temple playing each other every year. That's that's I, I can't do it. I don't think the Wells Fargo Center is a good spot for it. I don't think they're going to get the people they think they're going to get. Um, it did seem like they were talking about maybe more making it into more of an entertaining festival kind of ac- uh, event. I don't know what that's going to do. I mean, it's in the middle of October. I think there's so much more things they could do. I think they could hire outside companies and make this a, a really attractable event. Um, but I think right now Big Five basketball will only be fixed when it becomes uh, more competitive. And I think having Temple versus Villanova every year, I look forward to it. I don't look forward to it as much as Temple versus St. Joe's. I won't look forward to it as much as Temple Penn, Temple Drexel, Temple LaSalle. It's Temple versus Villanova, and now every year uh, that will be taken away from us. One uh, Drexel in? Love Drexel. I think they're, think they're valid, but uh, I don't know. I'm not in love with the decision.
2: Yeah, that was my big takeaway, too, was that them going to the pod. So for people who didn't see the story of the press release there, the Drexel is joining the big five officially. They're going to keep calling it the big five, even though there's six teams in it. And they're going to play. They're going to split them into two pods of three. Each of those three teams is going to play each other. And then they're going to get together. They're going to rank those teams based on the round robin play within the pod. And then number one is going to play number one. Number two is going to play number two. And number three is going to play number three in a triple header at the Wells Fargo Center. And the winner of number one, number one is the big five champion. Right. Does that get you off the couch, Kev? No. So what Pagan's saying is that, you know, Temple and Villanova are in different pods. So the only way that they could meet up is if they matched as number one seeds, number two seeds or number three seeds in their respective pods. So you could have a season where Temple and Villanova don't even fucking play. Right, so I was on board for anything for the Big Five because I'm like just give it a shot in the, just give it a shot in the arm, give it, mm-hmm. give it anything because you know you had that game, those games at the uh, Palestra this year that nobody cared about. Barstool did their like uh, mid major, um, you know, tournament at the Wells Fargo Center that drew more people than the Big Five did at the Pleasure. So I'm like just do anything, like give did the Big Five any kind of, any kind of boost here. But I don't know if this really does anything for me it's hard for me to say because i'm not a big i didn't go to a big five school oh, i was yeah. think of as an outsider anyway but i would i would lean towards towards your opinion
0: yeah it's uh it'll be interesting yeah big five you know big, Wells fargo just doesn't scream big five they are bringing back the streamers which i do i do like that they took away the streamers after the first point everyone throws streamers on the court and everything yeah they, they uh they they, they yeah. call timeout they clean them up and everything they took that away because of uh, a health risk or something like that you know god forbid a big man slips on a streamer so i don't know something too- yeah it seems like bullshit the rollouts uh, i guess will be back better than ever everyone always gets canceled though every year so we'll see how long those take uh right, one right. student section goes too far and it's not really too far but nowadays it is too far um but yeah i mean i'm looking forward to it I'll, we'll see yeah. how it is i don't want to yeah. i don't want to put the death knell on it before uh, it even starts but i i think uh getting a, a, a company in there, kind of like a barstool, doing their mid-major thing, I think that would give it a shot in the arm. Because um, I think a lot of people don't even know what the Big Five is about uh, nowadays. No, uh, who don't no. go to, to one of those schools or, or maybe live in the greater Philadelphia era. But, yeah. all we'll right. See.
2: We'll see. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, whatever. It, need, it needs something. It needs something. I don't know if this is what it needs, but... It's better
0: than nothing. It's nothing, better than keeping scheduling yeah. games on a Wednesday in West Philadelphia and expecting people to turn out when you don't give either of the fan bases, free tickets and free busing.
2: So, yeah. Yeah. You want to just right. shelf, shelf the Sixers shit for now? I don't think I can even explain it anyway. Cause it's so.
0: Yeah. We'd probably go on weird. for another 20 minutes.
2: Yeah. Okay. The Sixers um, and the Jeff Brown thing, the Sixers are accused of like funneling dark money to Jeff Brown. I'll explain it on the website.
0: Go to crossingbroad.com to read that. And we will talk to you on Thursday. Thank you to everybody. Thank you to Ant for coming on. Thank you to Danny Small for coming on. Thank you to Kev. Thank you for Craig on the ones and twos behind the scenes. We'll talk to you Thursday. Go Phils.